You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything, interviews from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s with voices from the past. All the surveys show that the majority of women do not relate to the word feminism. They do not want to be called feminists. And I think if they look at the feminist movement, uh, they discover it's produced a lot of bitter, unhappy people. Anti-feminist leader Phyllis Schlafly today on Now I've Heard Everything with Bill Thompson. She was a middle-aged housewife from Alton, Illinois. But in the 1970s, Phyllis Schlafly launched an anti-feminist crusade that would make her a household name, lauded by many, revered by some, but hated and smeared by many others. Schlafly positioned herself as the defender of traditional motherhood, becoming virulently anti-feminist, and becoming the leading opponent of the then-still-pending Equal Rights Amendment. As founder of the group The Eagle Forum, Schlafly also had huge influence on the overall direction of the conservative movement in America. She even had a syndicated newspaper column, and in 2003, she published a book, a collection of some of those columns, a book she called Feminist Fantasies. And that's when she and I had one of several conversations that we had over the years. So here now from 2003, Phyllis Schlafly. Uh, it's a collection of my columns on feminism, uh, 92 of them that go back over 30 years, that are still timely and I think still worth reading uh, because the feminist ideology hasn't changed. Uh, they are still pushing the same ideas. And uh, what Feminist Fantasies does is to show how the feminists have impacted on our culture. And this is uh, shown in the book through their influence on the media, on documentaries, on talk shows, uh, in music, in uh, television, in college classes, in uh, legislative proposals, and in litigation. And in all those areas, the feminists have had a big influence, and uh, I guess I've been the one who's been tangling with them in those areas. There are a number of other good books uh, which address the whole dogma or the ideology of feminism, uh, such as Carolyn Gralia's book, uh, Domestic Tranquility. But I think my book, Feminist Fantasies, meets the feminists where the rubber meets the road, <laughs> uh, right down there where the action is. Well, it occurred to me, was one of your intentions to show us that in the past 20 to 30 years, your views have remained remarkably consistent? Oh, that's right. I don't think I've changed my views. Uh, but a lot of the feminists whom I debated 25 or 30 years ago uh, made a different choice, but they're not happy with the choice they made. And you find this evidence in, in many of the books about how regretful many of them are that they don't have children. Uh, and uh, I think the extraordinary publicity given to Sylvia Hewlett's book, mm -hmm. Creating a Life, is one that really points this out. Uh, this book had more free publicity, I think, than any book that I can ever remember. Everything from 60 Minutes to the cover of Time and on down. But it didn't sell because the women don't like to read about how they made a mistake. And her book is a selection of, of uh, anecdotes.
anecdotes, uh, true stories of women who passed up having children for the sake of their career, which was supposed to be more fulfilling. And lo and behold, they discovered that women in their 40s are not as fertile as women in their 20s. This is an amazing discovery <laughs> that they've just made. So I think I've got um, a number of comments from uh, feminists, uh, like the revolution is over, all I want is a husband. <laughs> and uh, I thought, well, in, in that section, one of the most uh, uh, startling discoveries that you talk about, or if it's a discovery, is that younger women, women in their 20s, don't see feminists or feminism in nearly the same way as women in their 30s, 40s, or 50s might. Uh, that's right. And all the surveys show that the majority of women do not relate to the word feminism. They do not want to be called feminist. And I think if they look at the feminist movement, uh, they discover it's produced a lot of bitter, unhappy people. Uh, most of them uh, are angry, angry about something, are still stewing about some alleged grievance that happened 20 years ago. And uh, that doesn't make for friends, and uh, they are not happy role models. They, they, they're having a hard time uh, getting, uh, realizing what their identity is. Well, I think many, many Americans of both genders thought it's a good thing that have, to have law schools admit both men and women. That's a good advance. Equal pay for equal work, that's that's the thing. But when you talk about some of the things that you've been talking about for close to 30 years now, uh, unisex bathrooms, putting women in combat roles, that's where America lost feminism, or feminism lost America, isn't it? Yes. When they proposed the Equal Rights Amendment, uh, they knew and said repeatedly that, yes, this would require us to to draft 18-year-old girls and put anybody, any woman in the military into combat assignments. Well, that's a hard thing to sell. Uh, my daughters uh, couldn't see any percentage in that. Give women a new benefit, and the first thing, they'd have to go sign up for the draft like their brothers. Uh, and yet they stoutly maintained that that was their goal because what they're after is a gender-neutral society. And they want to eliminate everything that's macho or masculine so that we can all be the same. And I think they start out with the proposition that God goofed in making us in two different kinds, and they're planning on remedying his mistake, or should I say her mistake. So that's the feminist ideology, and it's, it doesn't produce a lot of happy, achieving women. They're really not for women's achievement. If they were, they would be upholding Margaret Thatcher as a great example of what women can do. But that's not what they're after. Uh, they're after promoting a gender-neutral society in which there aren't any more masculine or macho men. And uh, women can uh, have affirmative action to be firefighters and to be in military combat just like men. And it's a, it's a, they're trying to repeal human nature. So many of these issues now seem so, so laughable on their face, but they weren't laughable at the time that you were fighting them. No, they're dead serious. As a matter of fact, the feminists have no sense of humor. And I think there's a, quite a bit of humor in this book as I show some of their double, double standards and inconsistencies and hypocrisies. It, it is a, a disturbing ideology, but it's had a tremendous impact on our society. I noticed that Bernard Goldberg, in his book, Bias, says the, the biggest story you'll never see on TV is how bad daycare is and how many diseases it causes and unhappy children. Uh, because the feminists in the media 
don't want uh, that to reflect on the lifestyle that they've chosen. After this short break, what kept Phyllis Schlafly going for decades? Now back to my 2003 interview with Phyllis Schlafly. We're mm -hmm. about to go to war again, sadly. And we've been mm -hmm. watching videotape now recently of men and women saying goodbye to their families as they depart for the Persian Gulf. What, what is going through your mind at this point? We still don't have women in ground combat. And I don't think President Bush will put them there. You may remember during the Gulf War 10 years ago that the first President Bush did ship out mothers of six-week-old nursing babies, and we had some tearful pictures in the newspapers. Uh, but that hasn't happened now. The uh, I think uh, when you talk about women in the military, this drive for women in combat comes from the officers, not from the enlisted women. There's a big difference on that. The women officers think they're going to be given the orders to the men. And, uh, you know, this uh, poor world has had a lot of experience with fighting wars. And if anybody had been able to figure out that uh, wars are best won uh, by women fighting in men's jobs, uh, they would have done it by now. Wouldn't Hitler have put women on the front lines if he'd had the opportunity? Yes, when they were running out of men? No. It was more useful to put underage and overage men than to put the women. And uh, war is, uh, of course, the purpose of war is, is not to uh, engage in social experimentation or equal opportunity. Uh, the purpose is to make the enemy die for his country. And men are better at that than women. I, I, I couldn't help thinking, as I was reading Ann Coulter's introduction to your book, do you think some people will have forgotten that long before there was an ERA to, to rail against that you were quite a, a, a renowned expert in, in military and national security affairs? I did several books uh, before I got into ERA. Actually, it was five books that I co-authored with Admiral Chester Ward, mm -hmm who was, I think, the country's greatest military strategist. And our books were about uh, the, the strategic balance uh, when the Soviet Union was achieving parity with the United States, and we were warning the country. Uh, fortunately, what happened was we elected Ronald Reagan, and then he won the Cold War without firing a shot. You know, the, the list of accomplishments, you know, being named one of the 100 most influential women of the century, woman of, or mother of the year in Illinois in 1992, I mean, right on down the list. I mean, as, as I think Anne points out in her, in her forward, you could have stopped at any number of places along the way and rested on your laurels, but you haven't. You're still very active. Uh, well, I enjoy politics. And uh, it is fun to win. It is fun to beat the incredible odds that we defeated in, uh, in stopping the Equal Rights Amendment uh, when we had everybody against us. But this great system of self-government that our founding fathers left us depends on ordinary people being interested in politics, participating, electing good candidates, uh, lobbying good legislation through. And uh, that's where uh, the feminists have, have to be confronted. Uh, they, a lot of times they are issues that it takes a woman to go after the feminists because the men are too chicken to do it. <laughs> And you write a column. You're on the radio. You have a website. You know the, the Eagle Forum. You, you travel. You speak. Good heavens! When are you done? <laughs> when do you have time for anything? Uh, well, what I do is very interesting. I, I've. Uh, You're very passionate about it. You have a great amount of energy. 
Yes, I have energy, and I guess I'm a workaholic. You know, I, I worked my way through college on a 48-hour-a-week night shift firing machine guns and <laughs> rifles to test ammunition. <laughs> oh, man. So I guess I've been working double time ever since. That's right. The fight is never over. There's another election coming up every couple of years, and we need to keep after it. We, of course, my, my first book, A Choice Not an Echo, which I self-published and it sold three million copies, I think played a major role in bringing people into the conservative movement, making them believe that they could make a difference. It was a history of Republican national conventions and told how the establishment was able to force its nominee on the party. And uh, fortunately, I think the grassroots have been able to uh, uh, exercise their weight and, and get more candidates that we really like since then. The book has essays on all varieties of feminism, and I really think the book is unique because nobody talks about the feminists the way I do. Nobody grapples with them head on. Uh, others may like to temporize or uh, only address certain parts of it. Uh, but I think it's a basically destructive ideology and produces unhappiness. Uh, it is anti-family. It's anti-motherhood. It's particularly anti homemaker, full-time homemaker. And uh, we've, uh, I try to exalt the full-time homemaker. I think she's very useful and important in our society and object very much to the feminists trying to put her down. Did the feminist movement not do anything that was good or productive? I don't think the feminists did anything that was good. You know the equal pay for equal work law uh, was part of our law before the feminist movement got started. That law was passed in 1963. And uh, so I think the, after that, uh, the feminists have been destructive. The women's studies courses in college campuses uh, fill the young women uh, with this whole victimology ideology. They try to make them believe that women are oppressed in America. And of all the classes of people who ever lived on the face of the earth, the American woman is the most fortunate. Phyllis Schlafly died in 2016. She was 92. And you can get your copy of Feminist Fantasies by clicking on the link in our show notes or by going to our website, heardeverything.com. And that's where you'll also find my 1991 interview with feminist Naomi Wolf. Any woman who stands up in public to say there's something wrong here, especially if she calls herself a feminist, as I do, can invariably count on attention being directed at her appearance as a way to undermine what she's saying. And my 1992 conversation with Ms. Magazine founder Gloria Steinem. The genius of social justice movements, whether it's the women's movement, the black movement, the Hispanic movement, the gay movement, wh whatever the movement is, the genius of it comes from people letting others know that you can do it. Together we can support each other and we can make it happen. And of course, we post new episodes of Now I've Heard Everything every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can find us on all major podcast platforms. Please subscribe today if you haven't already. Thank you so much for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, his story sounds like it's something either from a science fiction movie uh, or from an episode of South Park. My 1996 interview with psychic warrior David Morehouse. I was brought into a unit that 
opened up the most bizarre world known to man. We train selected individuals to transcend time and space, to view persons, places, or things remote in time and space, and to gather and report intelligence information on the same. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. 